Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. As I was uh, preparing uh, this message, I was thinking about my growing up years and my family. I grew up in a military family, so that's different from the way other people might have grown up. But uh, every three years at least, we took a 30-day vacation between duty station assignments. And we'd always travel out west to visit grandparents. Uh, Mom was from Boise, Idaho. Dad was from Salem, Oregon. And so those were the two key spots that we stopped at. And uh, Grandma Staley in in, uh, Boise, Idaho, um, was uh, a great lady. I didn't know her very much. She was older. Um, Mom was uh, one of the youngest kids of about 12 or uh, so, and and so Grandma Staley was, was older. But she ran a thrift store in Boise, and uh, she got to be a contestant on Queen for a Day. I don't remember if she actually won everything on that uh, show or not, but she was there, and she got a, a lot of good uh, publicity for her uh, thrift store that she was doing. But in, uh, then we would go down the Columbia Gorge to uh, Salem, Oregon, uh, to visit uh, Grandma and Grandpa Loveland. And uh, that was dad's uh, mom and dad. And uh, growing up, that last name didn't bother me. It wasn't even aware of it. The, there was no tension between their name is Loveland and my name is Gosser. How can this be? Those were not questions that I was even aware of. They were just grandma and grandpa. And it was a great place to be. They lived outside of Salem on a little bit of acreage. It was a place called Four Corners. Uh, and um, they had uh, nut trees and fruit trees. Uh, Phil was a carpenter. And so us kids got to sleep in the tent out back. And it was not just a tent. It was a glam tent. It had uh, uh, wooden sides, uh, a wooden frame that held up the sides. And it had a, a stove in it at night when it got cold so we could burn uh, scrap wood in it. We got to put wood in the fire. All that. It, was, it was a great experience, and, and we loved that. It wasn't until I was in college... Uh, and I was going to um, a school in Eugene, Oregon. Um, then it was called Northwest Christian College. Now it's uh, Bushnell University. But, um, but anyway, I spent the summer with him between my first and second year. And it was there that I began to think and become aware that, hey, their name's Loveland and mine's Gosser. What does that mean? You see, my uh, dad's, uh, my dad, uh, dad, his, his uh, parent, um, passed away the year I was born, so I never knew him. Phil was the only grandpa that I, I knew on that side. Uh, and it became aware that uh, it was actually a step-grandparent. And it didn't make any difference to us growing up because they were grandma and grandpa, and the whole family treated them that way, and that's just the way it was. And so uh, I had that uh, awareness that uh, there was something that was going on here. We absorb a lot of information growing up. And a lot of that information that we just take in is not processed at all. It's just put into us and it's there floating around. And some of it's true and some of it's not true. It's just our perception of, of what's happening. And, and uh, we just take it in. And, just, and uh, when we become a Christian, all those things are still kicking around and they have to be processed. And we need to become aware of them. And usually we don't become aware of them until we bump into them and it causes us some difficulty or pain or, or something along those lines so that we begin to think about, oh, 
this is the way it was, but that's not the way it needs to be now. And so we begin to edit those things and change those things as we um, move along in our life journey with Jesus. It reminds me of the story of Exodus. It's a twofold story. First part of it is how to get God's people out of bondage in Egypt. And the story of the ten plagues is the way that God moves that along so that the people are willing to leave Egypt because it's difficult there now. And the second part of the story takes place in the wilderness, and that's about how to get Egypt out of God's people. Because all the things that they learned in Egypt is not the way that God wants them to live going forward. That there is a new way. There is a uh, new uh, pattern of life that they need to engage in. And so it causes them to re-examine all the things they thought they knew and begin to transform and, and process and change under the leadership of God. We have been uh, looking at the um, fruit of the Spirit. And in Galatians 5, where the fruit of the Spirit is talked about, there is a contrast uh, in the passage, in the context of the passage. Uh, the first part of it is uh, the works of the flesh, and there's that negative list of attributes that Paul uh, talks about. And that's contrasted with the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, this is the work of the flesh, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and it's about uh, living in the Spirit. All through this fifth chapter, Paul talks about the need for us to live in the Spirit, uh, to walk in the the Spirit, uh, to keep with the Spirit, uh, to uh, keep in step with the Spirit. And so uh, that is the, the contrast that we need to be aware of. And, and we've talked about um, the, the need to make different choices. We can choose to act in the flesh, uh, we can choose to act out of self, or we can choose to act in the Spirit. And allowing the Holy Spirit to work within us is what produces the fruit. Uh, the first fruit that Paul mentions is that of love. It's the chief fruit. Uh, one way of looking at all these nine's gifts is that it, the fruit is love. And all these other gifts that Paul describes, uh, these other fruit that Paul describes are aspects of love. How we deal with love. How love is expressed. It's like a cluster of grapes. The whole thing is love and then there's individual pieces of it uh, that describe and make up what love is really about. We talked about uh, joy in the presence of the Father and uh, peace that our Father gives to us, that we have been reconciled uh, to our Father by Jesus, and he declares that we have peace, and so we can live in that peace. If you have your Bible with you, I'd invite you to get that out and hold it up. Maybe it's on an electronic device, a phone, tablet, some other kind of, of means. Get that out as well. Oh, loving God, we thank you for your word that gives life. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds that we might receive your word uh, this morning and that we might take it in and it might have its effect in us, that we might become renewed and transformed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the, the fruit of the Spirit, Paul talked about in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and the list goes this way, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. There's an interesting piece about law. Uh, one of the alternate meanings of law is to ration something. 
Uh, so if there's scarcity, famine, uh, something along those lines, uh, then uh, the law is about rationing out the resources that are available so that everybody gets what they need or enough or whatever. But the, the fact is that when it comes to these fruits of the Spirit that, that uh, God wants to give to us, there is no law. It's not rationed. He lavishes it upon us. He pours it out in abundance. He is uh, a prodigal father in that sense that he lavishes his gifts upon us. There is no law. They are um, without ration, without limit. He gives them to us. Uh, ben uh, talked about uh, the three different baskets that these gifts fall into. There are the first three, love, joy, and peace, that are in that basket that is our relationship with our Father. I uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That vertical dimension, uh, as we relate to the Father, He gives love, joy, and peace in that dimension to us. And the second one is about loving your neighbor. Uh, and so it's outward relating traits, and that's patience, kindness, and goodness. And then uh, the, the third uh, grouping, uh, faith, gentleness, self-control, is that inward basket, loving ourself. Uh, and, and so we are looking at those gifts in terms of how they impact us internally and how we process those things. But this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at patience, kindness, and goodness. One of the things that's interesting about this list of, uh, of gifts and the contrast with the negative list that Paul has there is that when we see that negative list, our mind automatically runs to uh, avoidance, uh, uh, abstinence. Uh, we, we need to extinguish that behavior. We need to avoid it. We need to not do it. We need to somehow make it go away in our life. And we spend a lot of effort and energy trying to make those things disappear. And the reality is the more we think about not doing something, that's exactly what you end up doing. Because you're thinking about it. Because it's there in front of your mind. Uh, the, the best way to deal with negative traits is to ignore them and focus on positive things. And the more you think about the positive things, the more you celebrate them, the more that you do them, the more praise you get, the more uh, you recognize that you're moving in the right direction, the less these negative things are having an impact on your life. And they tend to diminish and then ultimately disappear. And so it's not about extinguishment, it's about replacement. Replacing these negative things with the positive things that are the fruit of the Spirit. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit to do that within us. I was uh, preparing this message and I was doing some research on patience, kindness, and goodness. And, and one of the ways that I'm wired is that I want to know what the common thread is between these three words. How they're hooked together and what they have in common and, and how they're connected. And if there is a word uh, that means all three of them, then that makes me feel good because I can focus on a concept that would hold things together. So I, I went to my wordsmith, my wife Lori. Uh, she's wonderful with language, uh, and, and she's better at some things uh, in regard to language than I am. So I asked her, I gave her a description of these three words, and I said, is there an English word that would uh, sum up these three characteristics? And she thought about it for a while, and her first answer was marriage. And I wasn't expecting that at all. But it's true, in a, in a married relationship, you need a lot of patience. Uh, to, to deal with the things that are going on in, in the relationship. You, you need kindness. You need to, to express kindness toward one another. And, and you need to have that uh, uh, goodness that is present, that you can do good things for one another. And then she thought about it more over a couple of days, and she came back and she said, another word would be fidelity. 
Uh, that when we are uh, faithful, that when we have fidelity in our relationship, it expresses patience, kindness, and goodness. And so that is all that is, is in those words. Uh, Paul reminds us that we need to choose patience, kindness, and goodness. And so this morning we're going to look at uh, patience first. Choose patience. And uh, the first questions that we want to ask is, what is patience? What is it that, that Paul is talking about as this fruit of the Spirit that is patience? And so there are some synonyms uh, that as we look at synonyms, we can see what a word is about because we can see the words that are related to it, and we get a better picture of what that word uh, is about. And so there are some synonyms that are used in uh, the New Testament for this word uh, patience. And one of those words is fortitude. James 5.10 says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So when you go back to the Old Testament, and you look at the life of Isaiah and Jeremiah and uh, the other prophets, you begin to see that they spoke a truth to God's people. That they received a word from the Lord and they spoke that truth to God's people. And the response many, many times was not, Oh, that's the truth. We need to do that. No, it was, we don't like that truth, and we're going to be mad at you, and we're going to take our anger and aggression out on you. And so the prophet suffered a great deal. And fortitude is about enduring and going forward even in the midst of that adversity and hanging on to the truth that you were giving. And so fortitude is about something that uh, describes the patience that is the fruit of the Spirit. Colossians 3.12 talks about patient enduring of evil. Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You see, the new life that we have been given in Jesus Christ requires us to take off some things and to put on some other things. And Paul makes this list, and in, in uh, Colossians, this could be described as the fruit of the Spirit. And one of those things that we put on is patience, that we are going to be able to patiently endure even when things are not going the way we want them to go. Another way that this word is described, another uh, word that uh, translated in English is long-suffering. And, and we don't like that word, uh, to suffer for a long time. It just It's not a good image, is it? We don't want to suffer for a long time. We want our pain to end and we want to get uh, to the other side. But 1 Timothy 1.16 says, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost... Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. What's Paul talking about to Timothy? Paul is reminding Timothy that he is the foremost sinner, that as a young man uh, he began by persecuting the church, that he was rounding up and arresting believers, causing them to be tortured, causing them to be killed in a terrible fashion, and that that was what his life was like in his passion and in zeal. And then God got a hold of him on the Damascus Road and gave him a call and a mission to take the good news to the Gentiles. And so what Paul is saying is that God was patient with him, long-suffering with him, enduring his wayward ways, uh, but now that he is in the midst of doing what God has want, that is an example of how God will treat all of us. If God can be that patient with Paul, who is a murderer, just think how patient God can be with you. 
because he's willing to put up with us in order that we might come to him and find life. Another way that this word is used is to describe slow to avenge injuries. 1 Peter 3.20, Peter writes, Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. So we go back to, to the story of Noah's ark. Uh, and you know how the world became caught up in itself and selfish and violence was everywhere. And God had had enough and he vowed that he would destroy what he had created. And then he gave Noah instructions how to build an ark in which his family would be saved. Potentially it could have saved other people, but the animals and the people of Noah's family came on the ark and were saved. But it took a hundred years to build that ark. And in all that time, God was patiently enduring all the stuff that was happening in the world, waiting for the right time before he brought his justice to the world. And so there is that slowness to avenge injuries that is a part of uh, this word patience. And then another word that describes it is forbearance. Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Why does God take so long to react to what is happening in our world? Because he knows that if he acted quickly, there would be people who would be lost who potentially could come to faith in Jesus Christ. He's waiting and this kindness is present so that the full number of people who will believe have an opportunity to believe and to repent and turn and come to life in Jesus Christ. And God knows that if he acts too quickly, that won't happen. And so he is patiently, kindly uh, waiting. And this kindness is not to be taken advantage of, but rather is the opportunity for us to turn and repent and come to him. Another way that this word uh, is used is the word clemency, uh, to have forgiveness. Hebrews 6.12 says, So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So there's this idea that, that we have been given an opportunity uh, to become like Jesus, and we need to be actively engaged in the process uh, that God has in place so that we can become what God wants us to be. And then there is uh, the aspect of endurance that is a part of this word patience. Colossians 1.11 says, Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. That is, God gives us his Holy Spirit so that we will have his power and might present in our life so that we can endure, so that we can stand, so that we can uh, move through the circumstances that are adverse and still hold true uh, to who he is and what we are in him. There's some other words in the New Testament uh, that are uh, translated also uh, patience. Uh, one of them is hupomone. It means steadfastness, not allowing circumstance to sway us from our purpose. Our purpose is to become like Jesus, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens in the world that gets in the way of that, and we need to be steadfast and move through it and hold to our purpose so that we come out on the other side the way God intends us to be. We do that by the Holy Spirit. Another word is anekomai. It means to hold up, to stand erect, to sustain and endure. And that means that uh, so often Paul says that our purpose is simply to stand fast. 
That we don't need to, to do anything specifically, but we simply need to stand fast in order for God to have his work and his way in the world. Well, we need to ask the question, how do we live patiently then? Uh, this trait often describes God's stance towards humanity. He delays executing his just sentence so that there's time for us to repent, to change direction, to come into proper relationship with him. And it's a trait that the Holy Spirit develops in us by putting up with each other as we allow the Spirit time to work in everyone. We learn patience by being in the presence of one another. We learn patience by recognizing that there are things in our midst that cause irritation within us. And instead of responding in that irritation with, with anger, uh, we learn how to patiently endure so that we become changed and they become changed and the rough edges are knocked off and we're put together in a way that brings honor to the Holy Spirit and to our Father. We're patient by enduring our neighbor's ways. We often, uh, when we meet someone or uh, have a circumstance with our neighbor that there's tension, we want to pray for them. And that's a good response. Uh, but one of the first things that God does when we pray for our neighbor who's irritating us is he changes us. That's the first impact of our prayer for our neighbor uh, is that God changes us. He opens our eyes so that we can see him the way, uh, we can see them the way that God sees them. Uh, he opens our hearts so that we can begin to have compassion for them. Uh, and, and secondarily, then he begins to work on them and change them. And in that way, the irritation is resolved. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It is the work of love to be patient. And when we are patiently enduring, we are expressing love uh, for one another. So we need to choose patience. We also need to choose kindness. There are many words that, that are used to describe uh, this word kindness. One of the first words is beneficence. We've looked at Romans 2.4. Or do you not presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? It is an act of, of God's kindness, of his beneficence, of his benefit for us, that he's being kind and giving us time to turn and come to him. Romans 11.22 talks about showing kindness. It says, Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. So there's this, this sense in, in which God shows us kindness and we need to act in that kindness. We need to, to live in that kindness. It is an act of kindness, Titus uh, 3.4 uh, that Jesus Christ has come. That is an expression of God's kindness. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, uh, then we received salvation. Then things got better. It's also used uh, in the way of, of goodness. 2 Corinthians 6.6, 6, Paul is in the midst of writing to the Corinthian church who has questioned his authority as an apostle, and so he's laying out his credentials uh, of how his apostleship is expressed. And verse 6 is in the midst of that long list, but it says this, By purity, 
by knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. These are the marks of an apostle. Uh, that he is mature and that he has these qualities in his life and that is what marks his apostleship and that's the way that he has been dealing with him and kindness is a part of that. Romans 3.12 says, All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. That word that's translated uh, good in uh, the English um, Standard Version it is actually the same word that Paul uses in the list of the fruit of the Spirit that is kindness. Uh, so it is no one is doing kindness, uh, that we're acting in a way that is not kind to one another. And then there is a translation or a way that it is used as gentleness. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Uh, so that, that we need to be gentle, and kindness is a way of expressing that. Another way that the word is used is of uh, uh, benign, doing no harm, or being harmless. Uh, for us, benign is a word that's more of a medical term. It describes a, a growth uh, that might be in our body someplace. Uh, it, uh, if it's a negative, it's a, if it's a bad thing, it will be described as a cancer. If it's just a growth that's not doing anything harm, harmful to us, it's described as being benign. And, and that's the way that kindness acts. It does no harm uh, to people. Uh, it, it is kind. It's harmless. It is um, promoting their health and goodness. Ephesians 2.7 says, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Uh, that God has for us uh, wonderful things in store in Christ Jesus uh, that are kind and descriptive. Well, again, if this is the cluster of what this word kindness means, how do we live kindly? Again, the source is the Father. It's, an, it's a characteristic of our Father. He demonstrates kindness towards us by allowing time for us to change. Uh, kindness does no harm. It, begin, it is benign. It tolerates the peculiarities of other people. It doesn't judge them. It finds ways to encourage them. It makes allowance so that relationship is preserved. It seems to operate out of the shepherd dimension. So its, its goal is to preserve relationship, to nurture people, to guide people, to give protection uh, and, and that is uh, the way that it, it operates. If you want a picture of Jesus being kind, it's Jesus healing the leper. That he's willing to come into their presence and touch them and give them healing. That's an act of kindness. When we, are, we have choices, and so when we're irritated by someone, uh, we can choose to blast them out of our irritation, or we can step back and rethink, and we can choose to be kind. Kindness is always appreciated. It's always unexpected. And so we need to choose kindness. And then Paul reminds us that we also need to choose goodness. And so there are uh, words that describe uh, goodness uh, in the New Testament, the goodness that we're talking about here. Uh, the word is agatho sune, and that uh, suffix sune means the quality of being good or having good uh, in our life. And it seems to operate out of the prophetic uh, dimension. So its, its goal is to align people with truth, to call people back to, to true north, uh, to get them aligned with, with what God is doing, to call out what's wrong in order to rebuild uh, right relationship. And so this goodness 
it is uh, sometimes can be challenging because it, once we have relationship with people and we have their trust, we're able to speak into their life. Uh, and, and when we do that, we are helping to align them uh, with what God is doing. And so we're able uh, to call out uh, the things that aren't right uh, because they trust us and we have relationship uh, and so that we can uh, bring guidance and realignment in that way. Romans uh, 15, 14 says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. The goodness that fills uh, the Roman people brings them knowledge from God through the Spirit, and because of that, they're able to instruct one another, to teach one another, to uh, give guidance and correction, uh, and to bring people into alignment. In Ephesians 5, 9, Paul talks about the fruit of light. He says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So what's good expresses itself in what is right and what is true. And so there is that aspect of, of this goodness that is, uh, can be challenging sometimes as we desire to have people line up with what God is doing. It expresses itself in the good, all that's right, all that's true, and holding one another to these uh, ideals. We have power from the Holy Spirit to accomplish this. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 says, To this end we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. See, our Father is at work in each one of us. He's the one who creates worthiness in us, and he's the one that fulfills our resolve for good. That when we see something that is good and we want to accomplish it, it is the Holy Spirit working in us that allows that to take place. And he fulfills every desire to do good with, with his power that comes through faith. So how do we live out this goodness that Paul is talking about as a fruit of the Spirit? Kindness and goodness blend together. Kindness nurtures people. Goodness aligns people. Uh, so it's a picture uh, if you want a picture of goodness in action, uh, it is uh, Jesus cleansing the temple. Gospel of John chapter 2 verse 15 is a description of what Jesus did. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And so Jesus is expressing alignment here. He comes across a situation in the temple, in the court of the Gentiles, a place that is designed for people who are uh, not Jewish to be able to come into God's presence and have a place that is their own, that they can pray to the one God, and they've turned it into a marketplace with noise and confusion and bartering and selling and examining sheep and goats. And how can you pray in that? And Jesus is upset by that because zeal for the house of the Lord uh, consumes him and he makes the whip of cords and drives them out because they're not in alignment with what God intends. And he expresses that in that action. When you look at these three fruit of the Spirit, we don't start with this alignment in our relationships. This is not the beginning place. We start with patience with long-suffering, with enduring, putting up with things that are not right in order to give people time for the Holy Spirit to work on them to bring change into their life. 
And then we move to kindness uh, so that we are uh, nurturing and collecting and guiding and protecting and, and helping people uh, find their footing so that they can be what God wants them to be. And it's only after we've done all those things that our relationship of trust has been built that we can speak a word of life into them that brings alignment. Paul reminds us in Ephesians uh, 4.15 that we need to speak the truth in love. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And so when we speak that word of alignment, it needs to be expressed in a way that is loving and caring and kind uh, so that the truth is spoken and people can find alignment, but they're not blasted uh, and hurt by the way that it happens. Paul reminds us that we need to choose patience and kindness and goodness. I invite you to stand as you're able, Ben, if you'd come up on the platform. We need to end uh, with the beginning, and that is about transformation. That when we uh, came to Jesus Christ, uh, he uh, offered to transform us, to change us, to take us from where we are uh, to someplace uh, different. That we would have a new life in us that would be different from the old life that we've experienced. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There's an opportunity here this morning to renew our mind. It's not here simply today. It is something that you can carry with you that any moment that you're in is an opportunity to be renewed in Jesus Christ. But here today is the time and the place where renewal can take place, where we can uh, change our mind. We can recognize that we've been conformed to the world and now we want to be renewed. We want to live in a different way. We want to express the patience and the kindness and the goodness that God has given to us so that we can share that with other people. And we recognize that we need to be renewed and made new, that we need a new way of thinking in order for that to, to take place. Would you allow Jesus to examine your stuff? Would you give that to him so that he can look at it and edit it and change it and bring to your awareness the places where you need change? Where through the power of God's Holy Spirit living in your life, he can say, let's let this go and let's move in this direction. And you can move with him as you are renewed in your mind. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to transform the way that you think? Because when your thinking changes and your mind changes, your actions and your behaviors change as well. When you do that, you will discover patience and endurance and you'll find opportunities to express kindness and you will hold your closest relationships in alignment with the Father. What would it be like for us as a congregation of God's people if our mindset was transformed by the Holy Spirit? 
we indeed would experience more patience with ourselves and with each other. We would nurture each other with kindness and we would keep aligned with our Father's truth. Let's pray. Oh, loving God, we thank you for your grace and mercy that you are patiently there for us, that you have kindness for us in, in all the ways that you deal with us, and that you desire that we would be aligned with you and you are working towards that. Uh, Father, we ask that you would uh, take us as we are, that you would pour your love into our hearts, and that you would transform the way we think that we would become aware of the places where you would like us to change, and that you would give us the power of your spirit to move in a new direction, to move into a new life, to put on the characteristics that you desire, that we might live for you and for your glory, and that our relationships with each other would be wholesome and healthy and good. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning, and we ask that you would bless us in the name of Jesus Christ, in his name, amen. There are some action steps. First thing I want you to do this week is choose a relationship in which you feel tension, and then pray to our Father that he would let you see that person the way that he sees them, that your eyes would be open and then choose to demonstrate patience, kindness, and goodness towards that person. Amen? Amen.